Welcome to another episode of Investing with IBD. It's Justin Nielsen here, and it is Wednesday, December 27th. We're in between Christmas and New Year's, so people talking about the Santa Claus rally. And to help us kind of get through a lot of what's happening in the markets right now and the potential for what's happening in 2024, we've got a great guest on. So uh, first of all, Arusha Pires, of course, he joins me every week, uh, O'Neill Global Advisors, Portfolio I thought you were talking about me, Justin, when you said great guest. No, no, no. Yeah, that's no, you, no. You, you knew that wasn't you. You, 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 knew, you knew that was elsewhere. But uh, <laughs> how was your Christmas, buddy? It, it, it was good. How, how about yours? Yeah, pretty good. And I know you got that uh, Christmas gift from the Raiders uh, yeah. winning. Um, I, I shared with Arusha that my son actually came in at halftime. I uh, just looked at the TV. This is my nine-year-old. Not really a big football fan, but just looked at the TV and I said, I hate the Raiders, and then just left the room. So uh, that's that's what happened there. Yeah, uh, we don't we don't support that here. In the, in the podcast. <laughs> well, that's that's my wife's influence. Uh, yes, and, but yes. you know what? I just go and go Steelers against anything fan. that Arusha uh, likes, um, and and now Nicholas does too. But let's get to our guest. Uh, our guest, of course, Jim Ropel. He is uh, the man, the myth, the legend. Uh, founder of Ropel Capital Management. He also writes the Ropel Report that uh, is getting a lot of subscribers, uh, something that he brought back to life from, what was that? When, when did you do the original Ropel Report? Was it in the 90s or? It was in the early 90s. Early 90s. Okay. So you brought the Ropel Report back. Um, and sometimes it's hard to tell if Jim's excited about stuff. So, you know, hopefully you can, uh, you know, kind of gauge his enthusiasm and optimism from this show. We'll, we'll try and help him out with that. Um, but Jim, gr great to have you on the show. Welcome Fantastic back. Fantastic to be here. Love so it. let's get right into it. Okay. The market. Uh, you, you, you had some things to say about the market and what's happening, right? Well, I, I'm just going to say this. And I said it in the middle of the summer when we had a follow through day and, and things were kind of st starting to gel. And I was wrong because it didn't mature. Mm -hmm. The breath did not open up right now. The breath has gone when the market turned up on, we had the follow through day on November 1st, the breath did not show up right away because the new highs were just, they were so far off the highs. All of a sudden yeah. in the last couple of weeks, new highs have exploded. That is confirming the rally. If you're not, and I'll say it, if you're not bullish now, you should never be bullish. This it doesn't get better. The opportunity immediately following a, not just a bear market, but a major bear market on magnitude and duration sets you up for the rubber band. The rubber band was just stretched like this, and it's starting to come back. And the breath is there, the leaders are there, the a number of sectors. It's incredible. I mean, yeah. in in the media is completely bearish. Like there's going to be a recession, inverted yield curve, uh, major banks, S&P earnings next year are, there's a couple that are, have down estimates for earnings. And the highest is only like, I don't know, is it even, it's, I don't think anybody's even in the double digits. Now, if, can we look at charts really quick? Yeah, well, um, well, first, I, I just pulled up the daily market indicators to show the 10-day moving mm -hmm. average of new highs, new lows. Mm -hmm. And this ticker is NASDQ on MarketSmith. Thank uh, you. Pulled this up. Yeah, so you can see it, it, it crossed over in in uh, a little bit after mid-November. The new uh, highs above the new lows, the 10-day average. 
Exactly. And then also, Jim, talking about the, the number of percentage of stocks above their 150-day moving average, I want to say it's 76% now uh, above. And it was six weeks ago, <laughs> low, like 18%. You know, right. it, it's, it's gone to kind of extremes there, but showing a lot of power, showing a lot of partic- uh, participation. So let's pull up some charts, Jim. Well, pull up just first off, we'll pull up KKR. Oh, gosh. Yeah, that was just been screaming. Okay, so what does this say about the private equity market? Mm-hmm. Okay, what about the deal? I mean, this is saying not only are we not having a recession, not only are interest rates, not all these deals they did over the last five, 10 years that are at high rates or low rates and they have to be redone and there's going to be a calamity in private equity, that's not happening. Yeah. Okay, this says no. Look at PHM, Pulte. Look at that. It's just a perfect picture of accumulation, digestion, and advance. Look at MHO. Look, just for, I mean, feast your eyes on this. Wait, wait, wait. What's MHO? MHO, that's another. Oh, I, I can't type. That's why. Okay. <laughs> Look at that. Cole, can you pull up a weekly, please? Yep. No, not um, only are we not going to have a downturn in housing, we're probably going to have a boom. Okay, the best leading indicator is the stock market. Look at look at QQQ, please, on a weekly or a daily. And, and, just, and just for those folks that uh, are maybe listening to this on the audio, if you're if you're not familiar with what these charts look like, if you can just put your uh, put your hand up to like the one o'clock position, that's basically what these charts are doing, right? I mean, just they're going straight up and to the <laughs> to the right. I think the daily will illustrate it a little better. I mean, you guys, this thing just levitated. And it, unlike the prior two follow-through days, the prior two follow-through days had about two, three days of further progression up. And they went dormant and they started rolling over. And the breath never came in. Yeah. And when I was running screens on those follow-through days, I was having a real struggle trying to find leaders. This is the complete opposite of that. This is raw power. The volume came in in the index. It digested above the MA and then came ripping out on the Fed. The market knew. The market knew the Fed was going to go dovish. That's the only way you're getting action like this. And then, I mean, dude. Uh, this and be- actually, let, let's let's switch to the monthly gym on the queues because, you know, what, what I'm in, in many ways, and, and we talked about this also on IBD Live, but uh, this, is the, this is one of the most beautiful couple of handles that I've seen out there on a monthly chart, and it just broke out. What, what is that telling you? Well, you know, Bill would say a cup and handle in the index, especially in the mutual fund index, is just a huge indicator. And you actually almost have a cup and a handle in the handle. Okay, you had yeah. three waves down in the handle. And we've had just this incredible explosion in leaders. The consumer is alive and well. If you look at uh, XL, uh, which is the consumer? Dis- XLY. The XLY discretionary. Or discretionary. Yeah. yeah. Okay, does that look like they're going to slow down? Does that look like they're having a buying problem? Mm-mm. Look at Costco, C-O-S-T. Yeah. It's a rocket ship. I mean, you guys, they're, they're the opposite. The, look, the media is so wrong so frequently. That's why the uh, magazine cover indicator is so darn good. <laughs> and, and fear sells. Fear sells. People, it's a, yeah. more, it's a stronger emotion. And they're trying to sell you ads. And they're wrong. Follow the market. The market is, the market is saying something very, very good is about to happen. 
And also, you know, going back to to the media, uh, with with the the market itself and and just the Nasdaq. First, it's almost in many ways a classic lockout rally. But second, getting back to what the media and, and the fear selling and stuff like that, this market's climbing that wall of worry. It's almost classic in in that sense too. That news is there's a lot of bad news out there, right? But the market is looking out ahead and and saying things are going to get better. Dude, housing, people were freaking out about housing and 8% mortgages. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now we're looking at mid sixes. That matters. When you're on the bubble here, that, you know, mid-level housing, lower income housing, this is a gigantic difference for them. There's no houses for sale. And then the home builders are going to, there's no supply. So these home builders are going to fill that supply with time. I, I, not only do I think houses are not, prices are not going down, they're going up. The media is completely wrong on this. And oh, I mean, you guys look at BX. Now this isn't quite as illustrative, but still very, very impressive. I mean, this is crazy. And then I think Goldman Sachs GS has nine weeks in a row up. Yeah, well, that, that's something that we're seeing a, a lot on yeah. these charts that from the October bottom, you've got eight, nine, seven weeks up in a row. And some of these aren't small moves. I mean, some of these are pretty big moves. So I guess there's a lot of people that are feeling like they missed it and, they and that it's totally, done. Totally missed it. Look at look mm-hmm. at the Arusha. You said lockout rally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Perfect description. Look at NOW, please. And I, I, I yeah. again, I'm going to probably cover so many stocks. But if you look at this thing in a daily, you get the better effect. It just, it never gave you, if you didn't catch it right off the lows in size, you were locked out. Mm-hmm. CrowdStrike, same thing. I mean, these are really, really powerful. Now, the biggest, uh, I'm skipping around, but AI, everyone's talking about it. It's my understanding from reading deep research that semiconductors are going to capture 50% of the value created. So look at SOXL on a, I mean, it's two weeks tight on a triple levered long sum. <laughs> Take a look at this. Oh, that's funny. Now, where could it go? Way past the highs. Guys, I know this sounds nuts, but if you look at that, can we pull up the visual capitalist chart? Yeah, let me, uh, so, so yeah, so I'm going to switch over to, Give me one second here. I'll... Take your time. And, and 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 while he's switching over there, just you know, could you just address a little bit how? I mean, we were bullish earlier this year, right? I mean, we had some. The bear market happened. Uh, it was a little bit more prolonged than a lot of people thought it was, because uh, it really kind of started with growth in February of 2021. Um, you know, there there were those false starts. So, what gives you the confidence that? this time is for real. I mean, you, you just showed a bunch of charts that kind of illustrate, yes, we're going up and to the right. It's, you know, one o'clock position. Uh, the angle of ascent is is huge, but we had a pretty good angle of ascent uh, after what, that tightness in March, April, you know, coming out of May uh, through the summer. Um, what makes you think this can last this time? All right, I'm gonna cover this. The market bottomed, there's no debate. It bottomed in January. Okay, the Mag 7 came out and they ripped, but breath never developed. IWC made a new low in November, a new low, and it was a three-year bear. 
if you want, I don't know if, don't jump away from this. Oh, uh, I'm, I'm not switching yet. <laughs> take, a look, take a look at what happens after, after the little orange down bear markets. Okay. That we are just emerging and this does not do it justice. If you looked at a chart of net new highs versus net new lows, this was as bad as 0809 in growth. Mm -hmm. Okay. This is, this is masking because of the mag seven, what really happened under the hood. Right. I just, before we go away, please look at this. We are very likely, if you look at the major bull, the 11 year 500% bull, it might, I can't quite see it, but that was driven by the advent of the internet. Artificial intelligence promises to open up margins on every company significantly. It's going to, you couple that with blockchain, crypto, autonomous driving, mm -hmm. biotech is starting to heat up. What is possible if we have more innovation than we had in that period? What is possible? And we are like in the first month. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. So when I, when you, I showed you the triple levered semiconductor index, where could that go in four or five years? Yeah. That's I mean, forget the highs. I think the Russell, okay. The difference is Justin, you need to look at IWC and IWM because the prior mm -hmm. bulls did not have that. They did not engage. They are now engaging. The Russell right. is right about 2000. The Russell 2000 index is just above the price of 2000. Yeah. So, so what I'm going to do, I'm going to switch back over so we can show, yeah. show those charts. And, and, and just for people that, you know, again, are listening to the audio, what, what we're seeing here on the visual capitalist and what we'll do is we'll put this, um, Mike, uh, our, our producer, he writes an article every week. Uh, we're going to put this in, oh, you know what? Let, 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 let's see if we can, uh, we'll have to make sure we can get uh, like some type of agreement to kind of put that, uh, reproduce that chart, but it's basically 60 years of data of what happens after a bull market, what happens after a bear market. And again, just huge, huge moves that happen after the worst bear markets, right? I mean, that's what happened, um, you know, after the dot-com bubble, after the 2009 great financial crisis. I mean, pick your time period over the last 60, 60 years, you know, the bear markets, that rubber band effect that uh, Jim was describing. I mean, that's, that's what we're talking about here. But, but make no mistake, the bull market did not start when the NASDAQ made its bottom and turned up. Right. The index turned up, but we were not in a bull market. There's a distinct difference between five, stock, seven stocks and a, <laughs> and, a, and, a, and a few other also, you know, decent stocks. Mm -hmm. But when the Russell turns up and small cap turns up, that is when the bull market started. Now, there's a lot of people who either don't understand it or are outright disingenuous and, and, and are being deceptive. The mm -hmm. bull market started in November. And you cannot have a bull market without breath. You can have an index going up, but that's not a bull market. Okay? So, Jim, I pulled up the the Russell 2000 on a weekly chart here. And, and so, yeah, it's second week uh, in a row now that's above that critical 2000 level. Yeah, that 2000 level just stuck out like a sore thumb in terms of resistance. Mm -hmm. Okay, guys, this is assuming we do whole. Okay, I, I want to qualify. Let's just say we live in the atmosphere, the universe. An asteroid could come spinning out of another galaxy and slam into our Goldilocks, you know, perfect landing, soft landing by the Fed and wreck everything. It's not impossible. But I don't see that happening. The market is not smelling that or feeling it right now. So I'm with the trend. 
barring that asteroid whipping into our into our universe into our or whatever we have here our solar system this is on we may digest for a month a week right here around 2000 but forget that we're not even we're going to the highs and we're going beyond okay this is a new bull market and it's critical to understand the magnitude of the bear in growth please pull up iwc mm -hmm. and iwc is the micro caps yes. uh, market this thing topped three years ago. Mm -hmm. Okay. It you you just turned up the magnitude. You want to look at the magnitude of what happened in growth? Look at ARC. ARC was mm -hmm. down like 70%. Okay, so magnitude and duration. If you look at a chart, and you don't have this of net net new highs over lows. This was as long and as deep or deeper than 0809. So we are not just coming off a bear. We're coming off a severe bear in both key measurements with a turbocharger of all these innovations. that are re They're revolutionary. Okay, they're talking about AI. And I'm not just talking about some schmuck like me. I'm talking about brilliant software technologists, CEOs of major companies coming out and saying, this is as big as like, I mean, they've said things like electricity. Right. Okay? This is bigger than EVs, but it's combined with EVs. Where could prices go in five years from here? And now here's the, okay, I'm going to, I'm throwing the, the, the sales pitch out there. This could top the secular bull market. When this run is over, the secular bull is going to be very, very old. So we will have opportunities in, in cyclical bulls, but not like this. This is. So, so define what you mean by the secular bull. The secular bull is a super cycle. It is. Mm -hmm. Once you make a new high after a prolonged duration bear, you now enter a, a secular bull market where, uh, like from uh, like the late 60s to 1982, the Dow did not break 1,000. Right. There was four distinct bull runs, but it never well, made You could make money, but you didn't get to that new high ground. Correct. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This, we are, we are, I don't think, I was questioning if the secular bull or super cycle was over, mm -hmm. but this tells me it's not at least at this moment, and it's acting like it, we have the fundamentals. Um, you know, and a lot of it we owe to the guy who was the stinky goat, J Chairman Powell, who let inflation get out of hand, looks like the greatest of all time, engineered a soft landing. There's been in two in history, and we look like we're on it. Mm -hmm. So... So, so, so let's get back to the, the innovation part where you're talking about AI. So if you look like at the cell phone, right, when the iPhone was released, that was only 16 years ago. And think how, how dramatically our lives have changed. Yeah. Just in 16 years. The App Store so didn't exist, app, right? Everything. Yeah. The iPad only came out in 2010. That was not yeah. a long time ago. Mm -hmm. Now you get to AI, which could be way more revolutionary actually when you if you start playing like chart, uh, chat gpt and you start realizing how quick that thing is and how quickly it can get you answers and write you papers and analyze things and pretty much do everything um two apple former apple people i guess they just released a new product that's based in ai that's um i, I can't remember the name of it, pin or something like that but you, they just launched a video and you wear it on your shirt and you can tap it, ask it, and it's ta using ChatGPT apparently, and it'll give you the answers. And uh, it's it, so you're going to start seeing new companies 
that we've never heard of, that things that we've never thought of start happening over the next 10, 15 years, kind of like Facebook came out of nowhere after, you know, after the iPhone and all these other apps and and whatnot. Where are the AI IPOs? They're not even here yet. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about chat GPT is kind of cool. My daughter's boyfriend showed it to me and, you know, we're playing like game. What, what do you think of this? Write me a poem. What about when they start like ESTC, Elastech, when they implement that software, it's basically a software robot. And all of a sudden the margins at a manufacturing facility or whatever go up by the average margins in the S and P's like around 10, 11%. What if AI takes everybody's margins to 14 where does the s&p go right okay now on top of that what about the companies that power it semiconductors are going to capture 50 percent of this rally of this whole cycle where could the semiconductor index go where could nvidia go i mean that is it's kind of like i don't know if you guys know the story about the gold rush and all these miners mm-hmm. rushing into the hills and the guy at the bottom of the hill is like hey i don't care whether you strike gold or not but buy your flour and your pans and your axes and your ropes for me. Right. Semiconductors are the general store at the bottom of the mountain. Whether these guys, whatever they do with it, I don't care. Semiconductors power this. Okay. Leading semiconductor companies are going to go so much higher than you. Look, people have to understand TMLs routinely go up 4X, 10X. That's normal. And we are just starting what's likely to be a cycle like that, barring the asteroid. And there are asteroids flying all around. <laughs> but right now, they're not here. And well, well, I guess the other part to this is that a lot of people, you know, AI has been talked about for a while. And how much of it is priced in? You know, a lot of people say, well, gosh, it, you know, is this priced in? Uh, the other aspect, as you mentioned, not too many AI IPOs. So you don't, it's so early, you don't know who the winners are going to be. I mean, yes, you can, you can make the bet on semiconductors as that picks and shovels type play, but, um, you know, I guess the, how much of this is priced in and how do you figure out what, you know, who the winners are going to be when it's so early? Call on me. Call on me. (laughs) That's the softball, Jim. Knock it out of the park. And then we'll go to the next segment. The best, most likely person to hit a three-pointer is the guy who just hit one. The stocks, there's a stock that we all know came coming off the bottom. It went up 100, 100%. It's now up 400. What Was it over when it went up 100%? It's Coinbase. Okay? Just because the stock is up 100% doesn't mean anything. Crypto is exploding all over the place. The halvening is, there's... I'm not, if you want, I will, but we don't have to. I'll just tell you names that are up 100% and early are likely to be the ones that are going to go up five and eight and 10 X. And people are going to go, Oh, I haven't made any money in three years. Sell up 20. And it's going to be McAfee associates. And it's going to go up 1800% in, in 94 weeks. Okay. Sit down for four to six to eight to beat and raise quarters. And you might change your life. That's what, that is what is possible right now. Okay. Most people are never going to be able to sit. They're not going to sit through four, four beaten race quarters. They're going to get shaken out because they're going to get two over the top. They're hearing me right now. And they're going to go out and buy a bunch of stock tomorrow. 
And in three, four weeks, we're going to have this really bad pullback and they're going to get shaken out. And they're going to be like, ah, it's over. And it's going to regain its composure and take off and go. So I'm fired up, but I'm off margin right now. We're nine mm-hmm. weeks in a row up. The longest stretch ever, I think, was 13 weeks in a row up. I'm not sure, but no matter what, percentage of stocks in gear are so high, the breadth is so wide that we are, again, I don't know how we correct. Do we correct dead sideways? Do we have a violent shake? If you look at oil, T-bills, and the dollar, they're deeply oversold. Right. If they rally for three, four days, we're going to pull back 5% in the index. Mm-hmm. And that, that is entirely possible. But this is the beginning of a cycle. Don't let rates scare you. They don't have to keep going down. If they just stay where they're at, we can let earnings come through and push PEs up. Mm-hmm. So yeah. co- co- combined expanding PEs with rapidly advancing earnings in top TMLs, and where can they go? Okay. I mean, if Bill was with us, he would be yelling from the rooftops. I've, I've seen the show before. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm okay. Gonna... We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to get a little bit more into this because a lot of this sounds like predictions, but <laughs> let's also talk about that element of interpretation and historical precedent that kind of give you some conviction behind some predictions. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Market Smith will give you a huge edge in the stock market. Better stocks, bigger profits. Market Smith is the top research platform for IBD. It's just the best tool for individual stock selection. Everything within Market Smith is designed to bring those best stocks to the surface. It does a lot of the work for you of filtering down to the potential leaders. It's when you take the training wheels off and you're ready to invest on a more professional level. Market Smith will help you take control of your investment life. If you want to get serious about investing, start your membership today. Hello and welcome back to Investing with IBD Podcast. It's Justin Nielsen here, along with Arusha Pierce, who joins me every week. He's an O'Neill Global Advisors Portfolio Manager. And of course, this week, our special guest is Jim Ropel. He is from Ropel Capital Management, founder there, and also the, like, can we say author? Because, I mean, you you put a lot of words together for the Ropel Report um, every week. Uh, actually, every week and then often a little midweek uh, catch-up. Uh, you know, via video and your, your daughter joins you a lot of times on that, which has been really fun to see. Um, so Jim, we were talking a little bit about this interpretation versus prediction. And I, I want to start because you, you brought up all of these charts that, you know, again, are going up and to the right at a nice steep angle. And these were things that people thought were like doomed, you know, the housing market, you know, with, with rates as high as they got, the housing market, of course, is going to be going down. It didn't. Um, all of these things that were supposed to happen and the stocks went up anyway. Uh, was was there any of the flip side, like stocks that people thought were going to go up and didn't? They, they, they just didn't perform? Uh, and maybe talk about what that says when your kind of economic mind is telling you something should happen, but the chart does something completely different. So I think this carries over. It's certainly well illustrated in markets because it's documented in charts, but it happens in real life in corporate planning. Um, you know, you meant you jogged my memory the other day when you said, hey, we have this major war, the biggest war since World War II breakout. And everyone's like the rallying cries, defense stocks are going to go wild. Mm-hmm. And you were 100 percent accurate. They kind of have languished. They're subtly sideways. They're a couple things doing really well, but you would think, well, heck, they're going to have to rearm. 
And that's not the case. What really happened was the U.S. gave them all our surplus weapons, which we were scheduled for destruction. And they say they did us a solid by not having us to pay to have them destroyed. Like, well, no, they were just getting rid of this crap we were had to get rid of anyway. Hmm. Um, But in leading up to that, I was wrongly wooed into this fallacy that Ukraine's the fourth largest wheat producer in the world, and they're going to export zero. And the price in anticipation of the war, wheat was going up. The price per bushel was rising, rising, rising. The initial invasion occurred. And all of a sudden, wheat just went into an absolute nosedive. Mm-hmm. It's actually well below where it was when the war started. The, it was the price of wheat. Yeah, the price of wheat. And what yeah. happened was production just shifted to other countries. Mm-hmm. I mean, another simple example. The club I belong to has 285 members. The virus C-19 breaks out. The board meets in the main dining room 30 feet apart from each other at their own tables, and they budget for the next year to lose 50 members. What happened? We have a waiting list of 75. Not only were they fearful and wrong, but the exact opposite happened. Mm -hmm. Think about the housing market right now. People were like, oh, we're going to have a collapse. Yeah. 8% 8% mortgages, seven and a half. So frequently, what people, Bill O'Neill, one of his favorite stories World War II ends, all the GIs are coming home. There's going to be no jobs. We're going to have a big recession. What happened? An economic boom took over. The media feeds this fear to people, and the market goes the other way. Mm-hmm. It happens all the time. I'm I, I'm giving you just a couple examples. I mean, I'm sure you guys have any others. Well, Jim, let me ask you this one question here. So, it seems like you're you have a lot of conviction in the bull market that a bull mar- we're in a bull market and that it could continue for a while unless a meteor hits. Um, but talk about your sleep patterns because that's another kind of gauge uh, that you know helps you know when you're in a bull market. All right. In case you can't tell, I'm pretty high strung. Well, <laughs> we haven't noticed. No, no, no. Let, let, let's back up a minute because I just want to mention that in October you had the audacity to say at a table how, yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit of an introvert. <laughs> I'm a chart dork. I'm a statistics geek. I love to read, but I'll tell you this: when I start reading books about the market, I've been doing this for 38 years, almost 40 years. I know what happens immediately following terrible bear markets. Mm-hmm. I get so excited when I'm reading these books. I, I have to close them and put them down because I'll now in bear markets, really bad ones. Most people lose sleep and they feel crappy. I sleep like a champ. I'm in cash. I don't care. It's irrelevant to me. When we get into an environment like this, four hours, I, I'm so fired up because I know this movie. I've seen this movie before. Bear markets don't bother me. I mean, I'm, I'm in cash. I might lose, you know, some money because I'm, I'm probing. Then I'm surely going to lose money. But it should be, you know, single digits. Opportunities like this. I'm 60. Come along every 15 years. You have a the 2000 bear market, 0809. Those were both called generational bears. One, okay, which created generational wealth post. This bear in growth was almost as severe, depending on how you want to look at it. I'm, the next time this rolls around, I might be 80. All right, I'm going to be the end of my game. 
I know this story. Look at the bull markets following the 2000 bear and the 0809 bear. They were massive and we didn't have the innovation that we have right now. So I can't sleep. Mm. because, And I know it's going to have bad pullbacks and bad shakes, but just look at history and lean into that. Now, don't get too fired up because that'll encourage you to overextend your position, which will it's called your heat, how much you can lose before you hit your stops. And you're going to get stopped out of everything. You don't have to press up. And I, Bill O'Neill, I love Webster. I mean, really, because I've learned a lot from him. But he one time said, yeah, Bill's max position was 200% long. Let me just tell you something. You're no Bill O'Neill, okay? You can't do that. You're never going to make it. You're going to get whipped out like a rookie. Keep your heat under control. No history. Understand what innovation can do to individual stock prices. That's where we're going, barring the asteroid coming in. So I'm not sleeping. And that's, yeah. that's a great signal. So, Jim, what, what is your max position? Well, I have responsibility to my partners, okay? I operate with them in mind. So my personal, my hedge fund, I'm, if I was crazy bullish, I probably could get to 150% long uh, over say eight names, but that would only be following a, the first pullback in the general market, which we are going to have as sure as the sun is going down right now. Okay. That is coming guaranteed. All your leaders are going to pull back to the 50 all at once. So post that, I have a buy list, which I'll be happy to share with you later or whatever. We're not. And I'm going after those names that have gotten away from me while I was locked out on. And make no mistake, again, those are the ones that are going up multiples. Mm -hmm. So, And, you know, th th this kind of brings up another point is you have to be very careful because, as you said, sometimes people get, you know, especially listening to you, they get fired up. They go out and do a bunch of buying the next day and... That's not necessarily the right time. So talk a little bit about how to, you know, kind of notice when things are getting extended and it's not time to press. Um, and I guess being patient, you know, for for that pullback to the because let, let, let's be honest, a lot of times when you look at these leaders and you look at the pullbacks of the 50 and the beautiful bounces that they have off that 50, you think, oh, well, well, gosh, that's easy. All you had to do was just buy it off the 50. But you forget that your whole account is getting rocked. You know, everything's pulling back to the 50 at the same time. That doesn't feel good. And the last thing that you're thinking about when it happens is, oh, you know what I should do? I should go out and put some more money, you know, <laughs> uh, as I'm losing money. So maybe talk about kind of those feelings that happen along with it. Well, nobody wants to buy the pullback. Everyone says they do. And then when it arrives, they've lost money. They're super fearful. They're like, oh, it's it's not going to hold the 50. It's going to break the 50. Like DraftKings right now broke out before the follow-through day. Okay. CCJ. These are both fundamentally very solid plays. Although DraftKings doesn't have earnings sitting at their 50s. Who's buying them? People like, oh, there's competition in, in the gambling sector. Uranium, it's too volatile. This is what you're going to look like when you have good buying opportunities. Now, I'll just tell you this. my Of the litany of mistakes I've made in my career, the one that has cost me the most money is getting shaken out on pullbacks. And I've been doing this for 38, almost 40 years. I'm still susceptible. Mm -hmm. Okay. But in, I guarantee you, we're nine weeks up in a row. 
are we going for nine right now? If, if we go one or two more, that it's going to be damn near a record. So I'm very cautious, very cautious about adding exposure here. And they're like, you see all these two and three weeks tights out there. Yeah. Cowboy, high risk. These are ad positions. Only a cowboy can go start off with a 10% position, build it up to 18% in a couple days, and maybe you'll get lucky. But the real situation is if you look at any model book, by the way, everybody out there who has the newspaper, these are model books. They are model books. They are exactly what stocks look like, the market conditions at the beginning of a bull market. Get it? And I know it's all digital, but it's not the same as having it broadsheet. Save the newspapers you're getting these weeks. They're perfect model books um, that need to be reflected on. For I mean, in history, um, I have them that they're, they're yellow. But anyway, <laughs> well, and, and one more suggestion I would give for folks is if you don't have how to make money in stocks, the fourth edition, the 100 charts in that first chapter, very controversial when Bill did it. His publisher is like, you know, McGarnhill is like, come on, Bill. You, you just can't start a book with 100 charts. You're going to just turn off people. And he's like, no, 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 this is important. This is too important. We have to show them these 100 charts. And, uh, you know, that, that just kind of gives you a sense of what's what's possible. So definitely I thought that was the greatest thing. <laughs> I was so happy when he did that. Uh, but I, I was obviously in the, the minority there because now looking back, like, yeah, they're probably scared off a lot of people that he's intending to. to Even to Bill said it like, I think, maybe a year or two after the book the the fourth edition came out uh, yeah maybe maybe that could have gotten the back <laughs> but, but but that that being at said at the time that... he was remember at the time too it was 2009 yeah it was yeah. after one of those big bear markets and he's like no this is what people need to see right now so uh um, yeah. yeah and again. so those first sorry i almost got as more excited than jim i've got a i've got a temper line <laughs> no I'm, I'm all excited too but uh <laughs> th those first 100 pages are gold you cannot look at that enough um and they're all marked up uh and uh just look at those over and over again pull up the ones that you can pull up in marketsman pull them up go week by week day by day see how they looked when they're breaking out and really kind of train your eyes to recognize those characteristics yeah. nobody wants to do the work they want the exact pivot point they don't want to talk about fundamentals they get all fired up they want to buy stock set it forget it and let it go and they're never going to make it. Well, and going off of that, Jim, when you're given an idea, right? And I'm sure years ago, maybe you were given some ideas. Uh, you know, compare that versus an idea that you did your own research, you developed your own conviction, mm -hmm. and then you bought it. Which one did you have a better chance of holding on to? It's not even comparable. <laughs> you know, you did a study for me on levels of extension in the market. She did the work. She gets more benefit from it. If you intrinsically believe the fundamental story, because you did the work, you Bill would say, go to the store, use the product. How can you sit through a pullback and a shakeout if you don't in deeply, deeply believe in the fundamentals? I mean, simple story, Broadcom. I realized everyone was going from dial up to full high speed. And I re realized like 5% of the people had high speed. Broadcom had the chip for satellite, DSL and cable. There was no competition. And I know everybody's going there. Now, when that thing pulled back 30%, I sat through the whole thing because I knew, well, first of all, it never broke the 50. And I knew the future. I mean, that's not true. I knew the fundamentals cold. There's no chance I could have sat with every stock that I've really made a killing on. 
I deeply understood the fundamentals. I mean, deeply. Now, I thought Celsius was the one, okay? And it is, no, it got back above the 50 day today. Today, yeah. But yeah, why is that interesting the last couple of days? What was it doing below the 50 day? Well, the market is just raging. Why is service right. now up, you know, 40 to 30 days in a row, hypothetically? <laughs> What's wrong? Well, and I guess that's the other part too, is when, when you have that deep conviction, when you have done the work and, you know, there are those times where, again, the market does something different, which, oh, by the way, I was, I was thinking of the other, um, when we were talking about wheat, the other thing that was happening with Ukraine that I think baffled a lot of people was natural gas. I mean, if you look at what natural gas did, uh, it was like, oh my gosh, this is going to be a disaster. And it just, you know, plummeted. But again, you're, you're, you're kind of building a story, you're building a, a, a thesis and how much of that eventually has to rely on what happens with the price. And when you do get those inevitable pullbacks, how do you handle that knowing, okay, is this just the normal pullback that happens because uh, it's it's part of the cycle versus this is done and or maybe something is happening different and my thesis is completely wrong. Well, the simple, there's no simple. I'm trying to make it simple, but <laughs> when your stocks are wildly extended, trim, if you're in a taxable account hedge, if you're in a tax deferred account hedge, you, you figure out how you want to do that yourself. So when the inevitable pullback occurs, you don't get hit so hard. Mm -hmm. And then when you're down there, you know, stocks, the way the rate of descent, is it a glancing blow? Like this is the 50 day. Is it coming in like this or does it go like that? The rate of decline is going to tell you a lot. How is the volume? Stocks will often go three weeks tight just below the 10 week. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's accumulation. A break of the 50 is not an automatic puke. That's a, let's see how it, it's a, a finesse. It's an art. It's a build around the position. If you don't have the position and you get down there, you work into it with time. It's not plunge because 50 day pullbacks are messy affairs. Okay. They go below, they whip back up, they undercut again, and they could take weeks. Now, Bill told me five weeks below is too much. Bad breaks, I think, more than 5% below the 50 on the Friday close are extreme. You don't want there. Again, what is the general tenor of the whole market? Okay. Yeah. I mean, we could go dead sideways here. This market is so darn strong. Last Wednesday, we had a, an extended market, 8% over the MA, 50, and then a violent break. That's a, that's a, a short-term sell signal. Well, the market came straight back up. Yeah, right. <laughs> okay. So the when we get a digestion, I don't know if it's going to be a dead sideways digestion or we're going to go down for 4%, 5%. So I'll work into it at the time. Everything's predicated on the behavior of the leaders. And, you know, look, there's an outside chance the asteroid whips into our atmosphere and wrecks everything. It's not impossible. Um but like what well, we saw that a few years ago with COVID came out of nowhere. Like, what is this? Mm -hmm. Right. And uh, everything changed and you just had to react like that. But then it, it, I was wrong then at the bottom. Well, first of all, some people very close to me were dead. Right. And, and said, this is going to be a disaster. And at the bottom, I'm like, God, I, I don't know what's going to happen here. So I missed 
I bought a few things off the bottom and I took some hedges off and I, I did capture part of it, but I wildly underperformed for two or three months until we had the first digestion, like the second variate variant of the thing broke out and we had these shakes. That's when I got big and I ended up having a hundred percent year, mm -hmm. but I, I was not committing in size like crazy at the dead, not even close to it. That no, so, makes sense. Yeah. It, it, we were all worried about other stuff, but, um, mm -hmm. but, and, and I, I think one, one thing to maybe leave this segment on because a lot of what you were saying is kind of, uh, you know, building the fundamentals, uh, knowing those. And I, at the end of the day, it's not all or nothing decisions. You know, it's, it's sometimes these, you know, you're finessing, you know, you use that term a lot. You're finessing. How does it do it? Okay. If it does it this way, then I'm going to add a little bit more, but if it goes through plunges through, then I'm going to, I'm going to kind of change how I handle that. So very, uh, very different ways that you handle things. And I guess, you know, getting back to the, the books and the model books and, you know, having kind of a sense of what is normal in these model book type stocks, the, the TMLs, true market leaders, um, you know, that gives you a, a good sense of how to handle these sometimes because you can lean on that historical precedent to a certain degree. The, the biggest mistake I've made in my life is getting shaken out of monster leaders. And I'll tell you something else. The people I know personally who've made gigantic money have all kind of reviewed their account once a month. They, they just sat. They really Now, they were willing to open up a little bit more volatility after they had the position on. I'm not saying they didn't cut their losses. But once they had cushion, they did not. The last thing in the world they did was look at their market every five minutes. That's right. like having a slot machine on your desk. That's called gambling. And Adrenaline I'm, junkies. Yeah. If you want to kill it, Bill would say, I'm 60, 70, 80% fundamentals. But everybody wants to talk about the, the, you know, the pivot point. They don't want to look at the charts in history. They want you to tell them exactly where to buy it. They don't know what's going on. It, it's hard, hard work and emotional control and believing that you can have 100% year, that it's even possible. And then there's a psychological aspect that you're worth it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, when we come back, we're going to talk a lot about charts. So uh, if, if, you're, if you're listening to this, uh, just be ready. We're going to try and... Uh, uh, explain what's going on, but there's going to be a lot of charts and uh, hopefully Jim tells us exactly where to buy these, where the pivot point is. I'm just kidding. Uh, stay tuned. We'll be right back. Trading Tesla. Sometimes you get the bear. Sometimes it gets you. Single stock daily leveraged and inverse ETFs from Directions. Before investing, carefully consider a fund's objectives, risk, charges, and expenses contained in the prospectus at Direction.com. Read carefully. Welcome back to the Investing with IBD podcast. It's Justin Nielsen here, along with Arusha Pires, who joins me every week. He's a portfolio manager over at O'Neill Global Advisors. And also joining us as our special guest, it's the other Ropel, Sarah Ropel, <laughs> who often joins Jim on the Ropel Report uh, for, for a weekly video. How are you doing, Sarah? I'm great. How are all of you guys? Just fine. So I, I take it that you're you're at your dad's house right now getting ready to do your video with, yes. with your dad. So he's he's not done when he's done with us. He he goes on to his next job, right? No, he's never done, actually. Not even when he's finished with me. Then he's going to read 10 hours of research and probably sleep for 30 minutes, and then the market's going to open. So that's <laughs> yeah. pretty much how his life goes. <laughs> is, that, is that starting to rub off on you a little bit? Get, get the, the market, the, the market enthusiasm? 
Um, I definitely feed off of his enthusiasm for the market and general life, but he's just such a positive person to be around. So I think that rubs off on me more than anything, but I definitely am learning. It's whenever something's really confusing, it's hard for me to care about it. And he's such a great explainer of everything. So it's rubbing off on me a little bit. Yeah. And, and as I said, before we started this, Sarah, you, you do a great job during the videos of reining them in at least and trying to, because sometimes it's, you know, when you do this for a long enough time, you're saying acronyms, you're saying stuff that you assume everyone understands. Right. And then, and then I, I liked how Sarah would stop, stop and say, <laughs> okay, explain this for everyone who hasn't been doing this for 30 years, you know? So yeah. uh, yes. it, it's very good for everybody. Well, he's so like such an expert that it's so just normal to him and it's so simple to him. But for normal people like me who haven't been doing this for 30 years, haven't even been alive that long, it's not that simple. So <laughs> that's my role in the podcast. So I love to do it. And it's a good thing for us. And I, I mean, most people would kill to have a mentor like him just hanging around. And I'm like, Dad, take out the garbage. So, it's right. like, <laughs> you know, it's good to do this. with him. I love it. Okay, now we're going to come back to Jim, of course, and we're going to go through some stocks. Uh, Jim has a bunch of stocks that he wants to talk about. So we're going to try and do rapid fire, uh, just kind of get some sense of uh, some of the some of the big winners out there and, and what he's looking at. So uh, one of the areas, certainly with all of this AI that's happening out there, while you're going to get the productivity gains and the margins and everything like that, you're also going to get the bad actors. So of course, one of the things that people are looking at is computer software security. Uh, talk to us a little bit about CrowdStrike. I mean, it's indispensable. If you're CEO and you have a data breach and you didn't spend enough on, on this, you've lost your job. The total addressable market for data security is expanding almost higher than any other area of the economy. The stock is an absolute stellar lockout. I mean, it, Zscaler has a better comp rating, I think, by one point. But the earnings are way bigger. The power off the bottom is bigger. I, I understand the product better. This is a stock that I have not had properly positioned. I'm waiting for my chance to get in. Now, if this thing's going to 4X, it's going to have two, three, four pullbacks every year to the 50. So I'm just chilling. I don't want to get you know whipped out because I paid too much. The debate is, do I go after and cowboy and, and go after two, three weeks tight here? We'll see how it unfolds. I mean, I don't know. But it, this is an absolute TML. It has everything. Um, I don't quite know about the management, but other than that, this thing just checks all the boxes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's had, 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 had a, a pretty amazing run. It's it's around like 15.5% above that 10-week moving average now. So right. you, either you wait for a new base or a three weeks tight, but... I, I think the the one thing that we really because we're all very excited excited about what Jim's has had to say or so far through the podcast, you have to still be disciplined. You have to put the the odds in your favor and manage your risk. And right now, the risk is too high. You have to let something else set up in a crowd strike. Mm -hmm. But you know what we are seeing is a lot of these stocks that have gone up so much. They are tightening up, letting those moving average lines catch up a little bit. So that is exciting to see. Uh, let's go ahead and shift over to uh, Uber. Uh, I mean, gosh, a lot of the leisure stocks, travel, uh, there were a number of false starts, but Uber just really seems like this came out uh, strongly out of this double bottom. And here we have some more tight action. You see that little blue, if you're checking out the little blue shading on MarketSmith, telling you that there's a three weeks tight area that it seems like it's just coming out of right now. And look at the run up. It's how many weeks in a row? Um, and this three weeks tight is beautiful, but 
the fundamentals here. I have a lot of friends from crypto who are very, very young. And I go there, I, I travel with them on vacation for birthdays. And, and anyway, they don't go out and pick up food. They order mm -hmm. it. This is a sea change. Young people push new innovation. And then think about taxi cabs versus Ubers. Okay. Now, if 60% of the cost for an Uber is the driver and a EV comes in and we remove 60% cost out, what happens to Uber's margins? This stock is acting like it, this is a, these TMLs are revolutionary new technologies that are game changers that we haven't seen before. This is the type of thing. This is, it has a double-edged game changer effect and the stock is straight up. It has skyscrapers of blue volume. Look at the big, there's four or five weeks coming right off the bottom at about 22. There's four monster weeks in there. That's absolutely institutional accumulation. It has one of the best shareholder bases of institutions. It's, you know, really good institutions in there. Um, I mean, the IRS, look at it. It's just straight up, man. Yeah, and also just emerging out of that three weeks tight. Also, pretty much into all-time highs here. So I was, I was yeah. switching over to the monthly chart just to show it here, and it kind of looked like it's breaking out of a big cup with a handle there too, right, Jim? Yeah. I mean, this, this is really – when a stock acts like this immediately following a bear market, it's telling you clear. Now, the earnings aren't quite there what you'd like to see, but I think the stock is telling you that they're going to be there and I'm following price more than anything else. And, you know, I, I love this and it got very extended and I sold a bunch of calls on it and I had to buy them back more expensive, mm -hmm. but this is a stock I want to really build a big position in. I mean, mm -hmm. in an ideal world, I would do nothing. We have a follow through day. I get very, very big and I sit for a year and I do very little trading along the way. And then I, I trade big at the bottom, big at the top. And I just do little adjustments along the way. That would be the ideal world, but it's far more complicated than that. So if your Uber travels take you far enough, you could find yourself in an area where maybe you're in a different language. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about Duolingo. Uh, D-U-O-L is the ticker symbol here. And uh, of course, one of the things that Duolingo has done recently is they've added math and uh, music onto their platform. So you've got that. They use AI quite a bit. Um, you know, I was reading some stuff from uh, their last, uh, you know, Duolingo conference that they had. And uh, they're using AI more and more uh, to kind of come up with exercises. And uh, they have a new uh, Duolingo Max that I tried out. And uh, that was interesting because it has role playing that you can do uh, as as part of your lessons, uh, which was was kind of interesting. Uh, so talk, talk a little bit about what's going on here. In a slight um, tribute to Bill, America is the singularly greatest country ever in the history of civilization. And America is a one-way street. Millions and millions of people are coming here every year. And there's some of them are risking their lives to get here. But they can't, if they can't speak the language, they can't get a job. So that's part of the reason this is so powerful. The and it's not just here. EDU, Stride, or which is LRN. Yep. These these language stocks, there's a reason for this. People, immigrants want to learn the language so they can come here. And this thing has three, two weeks tight right now. And a lot of people don't believe the concept is broad enough or meaningful enough to get enough traction. But, you know, they went from $1.50 losses last year to expecting 19 cents this year, almost 270% estimates next year. So this has horsepower. Um, 
I, you know, sales growth consistently 40, 50% a quarter. These are the types of numbers that, that you want to see. And it's the market cap is 8.4 billion. It is the upper end of, of small cap. Okay. Mm-hmm. The, the, this sector, I think, is where you're going to see the monsters come from next year. When you can go from the bottom end or the top end of small cap to mid or upper mid, that's where you can catch these monster tidal waves. And I think Duolingo looks phenomenal. 2.3 up to down volume, 98 RS, 97 composite rating with thunder estimates, and they beat by only 200% last quarter. <laughs> well, and, and it's a relatively new company into all-time highs right and eve did the you know with, with uh, kathy and and uh eric and uh so, so, some of the other guys and over in chicago they did uh that study where studying these ipos that base out for two plus years or so or year and a half to two years and when they're breaking out and also especially breaking out to all-time highs it's a pretty good thing the life cycle trade they wrote this book that basically diagnoses ipos and basically, very few IPOs ever succeed. Very few have earnings. Very few ever get above the opening day uh, price. But this is past the institutional due diligence phase. Institutions have had time to look into it through a bear market. And now it's it's coming out. And th- this looks great. I, I think this could be, it has the potential to be one of the big names next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I should state I do own a, a position in this one. As do I. Yeah, I, I should have disclosed. I think I have. Uh, well, I not. I think I know I have CrowdStrike as well. Um, I don't have Uber. Uber, but that's one I've been watching, waiting to get into. Uh, I almost bought that today. So, um, okay, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about computer software database. Uh, so MDB. This one's been tricky. I mean, this four hundred level. Um, you know, seems like a good area of support that it's been getting. The earnings came out and that was disappointing because it had just kind of broken out. Earnings came out, didn't have a great reaction, but it quickly found support at the 50-day moving average line and seems like it's setting up. Is this one is this one the leader or should we be looking elsewhere in this group? It is <clears throat> price-wise, price action-wise, it is not the leader, but it does possess probably the greatest ratio of earnings horsepower to market cap and liquidity and institutions. You're 100%. And also the, the skyscrapers of blue volume earnings beat. I mean, dude, 317% earnings growth on a 30% revenue growth, 88% earnings beat, 99 comp. And it is in a jagged erratic cup and handle. It had a violent bad shake. They beat earnings, but in the conference call, they said the environment is difficult or Mm -hmm. something to that effect. I really want to give this the benefit of the doubt, but it does for me have to get over the high from about a week or two ago. Um, And and that would be the prime or the initial pivot point is going to be around 126. I'm sorry, 426 with the ultimate pivot about uh 443 but i want to work into it and you could have bought this on a shakeout plus three recently mm-hmm. that's very valid um but again i don't like trading in the last couple days of the year over the last 10 years my funds have suffered greatly everyone talks about the santa claus rally what i find is hedge fund managers trying to lock in their bonuses 
are yeah. dumping these leaders. And I, I, it told my experience is completely the opposite of what everyone talks about. So I'm cautious, right? At this exact minute. Mm-hmm. And then January is a volatile period. It often has people have big gains. They dump early. There's a lot of adjustments and volatility. So I'm a little bit in nine weeks up in a row, have me slightly cautious right at this minute. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, I do have a position in this one too. As, as we kind of gathered uh, your long-term outlook is, is still pretty, pretty bullish. So <laughs> it's as bullish as I've ever been. I, I think yeah. there were times with in markets I've seen that I didn't understand what I was looking at. I should have been this bullish, but as far as the, with the knowledge I've acquired, this is the most bullish I've ever been. Yeah. Well, and, and I, as you were kind of saying, you know, again, how you kind of look at the history, you, you know, this story, I mean, it just reminds me of like when you're watching a classic movie and that you just enjoy so much. And it's like, you, you know, the parts that are coming and you, you, you know, what's going to happen, but it doesn't, doesn't stop you from enjoying it uh, greatly. I mean, there's certain movies we watch every Christmas and um, yeah, uh, it's, it's, especially fun when you get to watch it with someone who's seeing it for the first time <laughs> sometimes so um let's talk a little bit about elastic uh estc which is also in the same group as mdb uh computer software database uh this has a very different look to it its last earnings report uh huge move up you know 37 percent that day and it's just held those gains so tightly since then what's your take i mean they beat by 54 percent it's holding dead tight, 3,600% earnings growth. They make, it's basically robotic software that automates uh, simple tasks for you to make you more efficient. This is exactly what I'm talking about on how companies are going to open up their profit margins. I mean, this is an absolute 100% AI play. Market cap, sweet spot, 11.3 billion. Management owns 18%, up to down volume 1.9, RS97. And it's it's dead tight. After a gap like that not fading, this is the you know the definition of a true market leader is six four to six beaten race quarters. We've got one on the table. The cockroach theory says when you're looking at a rental unit and a cockroach is on the floor, there's ten more under the counter. Yeah. It's not likely that people are clamoring for this product for just three months and they're going to go away. Okay, these guys are going to capture a ton of market share. And if the general market stays healthy, this is an app. Now, again, I don't like overhead, and it has it. But that earnings gap is so consistently in the names that I have made big money in. It just it checks off all the 1.9 up to down volume. Yeah. It, it really is, like again, it's kind of like MDB horsepower, but it's more in gear. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you were talking about the semiconductors as being just a great space to kind of capture a lot of the AI move, the picks and shovels, uh, if you will, in terms of being at the bottom of the mountain, just selling selling the equipment uh, to, to any AI person. It doesn't matter who wins. Uh, let's talk about that group a little bit. Um, NVIDIA certainly is the one that's kind of a lot of times grabbing all the oxygen out of the room. Um, it's, it's relative strength has been kind of a little muted lately. Um, What's uh, what's your take on NVIDIA, and is there anything better looking out there? It's okay. It's deeply disturbing that the accumulation distribution is E, mm-hmm. and that advanced micro devices in Avago with wildly inferior earnings and sales have plowed ahead. So I'm not sure if the torch has been passed, but the, you know NVIDIA 
reminds me a lot of like NVO and Lily. They were so well advertised to the world mm -hmm. and they were so powerful and now they're kind of digesting. Um, I still think, again, I am disturbed, but NVIDIA has a well-defined pivot point at 506. If it comes out with everything I understand about their GPUs, I think you have to go after it again. But it it is a quandary that it is not leading against AD, uh, AMD and Avago. But the fundamentals under the hood, it's the contrast. I want to follow price, but I cannot ignore the market share they have, the total addressable market, just the 99 comp rating of it. I mean, where are you going to get 300% growth with a market cap of a trillion two? And daily liquidity, you can market order in 50,000 shares. Literally, I've done it. Well, not, not quite that big, but I've put big orders in right at the market. This is an institutional, this is the, as my old boss used to say, he was a World War II vet. He was very old when I first came in. He would say, as General Motors went in the 30s, 40s, and 50s, so mm -hmm. went the whole market. You can just supplant NVIDIA. Without NVIDIA, if Duolingo blows up or ESTC blows up or whatever, the market can go on. But if NVIDIA catches a cold, and it has kind of, it hasn't caught a cold. It, it has the sniffles. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh -huh. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of meant, well the the e accumulation distribution rating is definitely it's been it's been e for a, a while now which is really kind of strange, um, but it, it, what you were talking about this a little bit before just about just the market in general sometimes they just they'll they'll just buy enough time by going sideways, maybe in Nvidia's doing that it's been impressive that it's holding up uh, this well I guess um, and maybe some of the money's going to AMD and Broadcom. Um, but yeah, I think the key is, does it have that powerful breakout? It, it's it's only 2.2% off its 52-week highs. So it's still has a chance, as as Jim Carrey said in uh, Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> Dumb and Dumber. Uh, Dumber. All right, there's right. a chance. Yeah. <laughs> so and I should say, I do have uh, positions in both NVIDIA and AMD. Uh -huh. um, and uh, so, I mean, AMD has been kind of known as, I mean, for, for a while there, it was competing with Intel on the CPU side, then it was competing with NVIDIA on the GPU side. It, they, they seem to like leapfrog each other. Oh, we're coming out with this chip that, you know, beats their old chip and, you know, does these, you know, these things and is faster and all that, does more teraflops and all of, all of the things that go along with it. So, um, but then it, it seemed like for a while there and AMD just wasn't being talked about as much anymore. NVIDIA was just it. Um, so, do you do you see a, a kind of change? And I should also mention Intel. I mean that that came back from the dead. You know that that was just no one was talking about Intel for a while, and it seems like that's getting on people's radar uh, a little bit more. So, um, what what would make you kind of shift to the AMD train over uh, Nvidia? I have to just tell you, raw price. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's leading. It's leading. And I remember I owned a ton of BlackBerry, and yeah. all of a sudden. Out comes Apple. Yeah. And then it was called Research in Motion back then. Yeah. So yeah. initially, there was room for both players. But in the end, Apple crushed them. So mm -hmm. there is going to be room for others. And AMD is a viable uh, large language model AI chip manufacturer. Mm -hmm. But the, the, I'm telling you, AMD's leading here. You could 100% make the case to be an AMD over at uh, uh, NVIDIA. Mm -hmm. Um. And then, and then Broadcom, where, where, where does Broadcom fit in? 
Uh, besides the fact that they kept the AVGO ticker symbol to confuse everybody. But uh, <laughs> where, where does Broadcom fit into this? I mean, look at the digestion. It broke out. It's holding so tight. Yeah. And the volume, the wall of volume blew on the daily up to down volume 1.6 in a $500 billion market cap. Now, the snag here is that they're only supposed to grow by 11% next year. The market is clearly saying that number is going to be beaten. But I, I look, I'm in a quandary. I, I don't have all the answers. I'm just telling you that you what you're can, saying. you've got to be cognizant of this, that there's been a shift. And I mean, accumulation distribution is A minus versus E. And it's out, and NVIDIA's not. I mean, I, I'm logic. Again, underlying, Bill would say, what are the fundamentals? But the price always trumps by a little. Yeah. Yeah, and Jim, I, I think you kind of alluded to, to something there about you don't have to do this perfectly, too, right? As When you're in a, a good market, if you do it, if you get some of the, the, the big winners, and you manage them pretty well, you still can do well, right? You don't, not everything has to be perfect, but the key is being there. You're guaranteed not going to do it perfect. That's yeah. a lot. Yes. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> you don't have to. If you only catch two TMLs in the next year and a half, your account can be up 50%, no problem. No problem. If you catch more and you're more patient and you use margin, Triple digits are, well, dude, in bull markets, when I was running only my account and I used heavy margin, 200% years were not, were, were in, in play. You're not going to get them all right. You're going to be wrong and get stopped out more than you're going to make money, but you only need to catch a few. Bill, for all his walloping successes, I know he mishandled a couple monsters. If he can, if he, if Bill can mishandle them and make as much as he did yeah, right. and have this career, <laughs> What are mere mortals going to do? And we can still make plenty of money. If you, if you did 25% as well as Bill, how would things be for you? Would that work? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'll take yeah. it. You know, it's funny that you say that because after after the 2000, um, you know, the, the, the crash that happened, um, he did have his portfolio managers do post analysis. And keep in mind, they were coming off of like a 1,400% gain over the last, you know, couple years you know two or three years something like that and yeah they you know i mean i remember lee freestone saying gosh i could have i could have handled qualcomm better you know I, and he handled it great but you know he also kind of recognized oh this is where i could have improved this is this is what we could have done better um so yeah there's always room for that improvement and uh that's what post analysis is all about so uh jim parting thoughts uh I, again you've got uh, you've given us a lot to think about in terms of um, how you're, how you're positioning yourself, how you're viewing things and the excitement that you have behind it. But, uh, what do you, what do you think? Final, just final thoughts with what you said, you're never going to get it 100% right. You're not even going to get it 50% right, but a killing, this is an opportunity. The golden goose of capitalism has brought us all of these possibilities. All these names we're discussing human innovation, the desire to ramp up, to get a piece of the American pie. These names are out there. They're blossoming right now after a terrible bear market in growth, duration and magnitude. It doesn't get better than this. Barring the asteroid, we should all have monster years next year. And we we didn't even talk about crypto. 
AI has stolen the show from as big of an innovation as we've seen in forever. Um, I, listen, if I can do this over 40 years, anybody can do this. Some guy wrote me in a question. He's like, yeah, Jim uh, misspelled breath with the D. I'm like, yeah, I'm dyslexic. Okay. I mean, if I can overcome what I've overcome and run a hedge fund and have the lit success I've had, anybody who follows IBD with discipline is good. has a real chance to level up their life right now. I say first class to private jet. That is doable. You're, whatever station you're at right now, the opportunities that America and the Golden Goose have brought are coming to fruition in a brand new bull market. This is it. This is go time. Well, I think that's a great place to end. We really thank you a lot, Jim, as always, for being on here. And uh, even though we didn't get to crypto, you did just do a recent webinar with Allie. So that's something that people can absolutely take a look at uh, at investors.com, you know, to kind of get your your thoughts on crypto. Probably hasn't changed too much uh, since then, except that things have only gotten better uh, <laughs> since, since you had that webinar uh, skyrocketing. Um, but again, always a pleasure having you, Jim. And I hope you have a happy new year. Happy new year, gentlemen. Okay. That's going to wrap it up for us this week. Uh, please join us next week. We're going to have Chris Gessel on the show. He is the chief content officer of Investors Business Daily, my boss. We haven't had him on for a while, so it's going to be good to chat with him. Uh, thanks a lot for joining us this time around. It's a long one, but worth, worth it, I hope, sticking around for the end. Uh, we'll see you next time. Take care and Happy New Year, everybody. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast if you haven't already. We'd really appreciate it. You can also send us your questions and comments to investingpodcast at investors.com. We would love to hear from you and may use your comments on an upcoming episode. This podcast is for informational and educational purposes only, and nothing should be construed as a recommendation to buy, hold, or sell any securities. Make sure to consider consulting with your financial advisor before making any investment decisions.